Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. This week, Steve and Elijah are going to catch up on all the board game news and give you a top five review. Welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop. Steve here with our co-host, Elijah. Hey, Steve. Hey, Elijah. It's good to be back. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Kind of. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's just been busy with schedules and everything, but it's been... I'm glad to have you back on the show. Yeah, I'm excited to be here, Steve, and uh, looking forward to this episode. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Street Masters, with an emphasis on the expansion Aftershock. And after the episode, we'll follow up with a discussion. But before we jump into that, let's thank our Patreon supporters. This week, we'd like to thank Ryan McLean, a co-op fan, Brad Batchelor, co-op lover, and Francis Palmieri, also a co-op lover. Thanks so much for your support and all of the rest of our Patreon supporters. Every little bit helps us tremendously trying to put out this content. And with that, let's jump right into Street Masters. So let's start off with the, the theme. Uh, Elijah, would you mind describing the theme to, on this game? So Street Masters is basically Street Fighter, the video game, in a board game. So if you can imagine basically picking a character and you have punch, kicks, and dodges, and you have some special abilities that you uh, use as a character... You kind of roam around the board and fight the bad guys. Yeah, that's honestly pretty much it. <laughs> There's a lot of variety in the types of stages you fight on and the bosses you take down. But yeah, it's just a fun little, I don't know, I mostly play the arcade game. There's some story modes in there too. But mechanically what you're doing is you are grabbing a deck of cards to represent your fighter character. And the enemies also have a deck of cards and the stage itself, the area you play on has its own deck of cards and your goal as a fighter is to take out the big bag boss if you knock him down to zero health everyone wins you lose if any one fighter drops to zero health or if the stage condition is completed so each stage is going to have a condition in which the enemies can win so they will be actively trying to do that and each of those stages could vary pretty wildly in what they're trying to do but all this revolves around a modular deck system so you'll be taking a deck of cards, and this is a pre-constructed deck, so no customization needed. And I, this, this is not a deck bullet of any sense. And you'll shuffle up your deck generally, just draw your hand of cards and play them. There are a few cards that will stay in play called tactics, and there's other cards which could be attacks or abilities, which are used at various effects to take out and manage the board. And likewise, the enemy will be doing the same, and the stage has its own sort of effects it will do. But that's kind of Street Masters from a high-level view. My computer have talked about the game already in the previous episodes. So if you want to hear more about that, feel free to take a listen to that. But we're going to talk a little bit about this game as a whole and what has Aftershock done to the game. So real quick, Aftershock adds three main components or three main effects to the game. The first thing is the option of Turbo Dice. Turbo Dice in this game lets you basically increase the amount of damage in the game, effectively trying to shorten the playtime. So how this works is every turn your fighter will gain power, and you can spend this power to add dice to his attacks, or you can just use your power to flip your hero to his supercharged Super Saiyan form. And of course, the enemies have a boost too. They will roll an additional die, which can potentially get some additional hits to you. One of the other additions are mission cards, and mission cards are player goals that you can try to do. So some of them might say, hey, if you take an extra damage during attack, complete this mission. Could be something like, hey, if you don't attack, complete this mission. Or if you discard a loot, complete this mission. 
You can then spend the mission tokens to do various effects like gaining actions for other players, drawing loot cards, or my personal favorite, getting a bunch of attack dice. And then the other main thing that happens in this game is it adds more loot cards. Every time you destroy an enemy, you get some even cooler loot. And this loot tends to be pretty cool and even more powerful than the core games. And of course, we just get a bunch of different fighters, stages, and bosses and enemies to take out. And with that, let's talk about how we review these games. We like to do a format where we talk about the five things you need to know about the game. We start with the number five, the least important thing, and work our way all the way to number one, being the most important thing you need to know. And along the way, we talk about if each of these things is a pro or con in our eyes. Elijah, would you like to start with your number five? So my number five is a pro, and it's that this game is basically the classic fighting games like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat. It kind of has that feel in a board game format with cards. And so with that is very fast gameplay. You're doing punches and kicks and dodges, and it just feels really thematic as far as, you know, when you're playing your character, the cards that you play and the combos that you're able to kind of put together. Um, it reminds me of the old days of, I don't know, if you played PlayStation 3 where you're <laughs> XYZ in the upper right button at the same time, right, to do your spinning flag kick, for example. And so it feels really thematic for me compared to some of the other modular systems that are out there like Brook City um, and even other games that share that kind of mechanic. So for me, it's a it's low on my list, but it is a pro. If you're looking for a game for kind of that Street Fighter feel and kind of a fighting mechanic in a co-op format. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's versus out there and that's okay. But, um, and I think Steve, you might agree with this, that the, the problem typically with a versus type game is usually when somebody who owns the game or plays it more tends to kind of have a little bit more experience and they kind of know how things play out. And so with co-op, that's what I love is it just comes together where, you know, it's basically us versus the bad guy. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with your comments on about the competitive game in fact i own one of those competitive games i like a lot called yomi and that game you are playing it's only 1v1 and it's your martial arts fighters it's got this interesting rock paper scissors type mechanic and i know when i say rock paper scissors kind of maybe is a turn off to some people but it's really interesting how they incorporate that in that games so put a card face down and flip it face up and and hoover has the trump of the other card gets to do these cool combos and each character plays very different than that one. But exactly like you said, it's really hard to get to the table because when you know a character, you tend to play it, be able to play it pretty well. It's got a, definitely a skill involved. And that nice about co-op is it, I don't care if you're more skilled in this game or know your character better than better than me because, you know what, I'm glad you're helping out more. It's fun. So you don't have to worry about that as, as much as an entry. Yeah, so it's really just friendly right to to bring to party or if you have some friends that want to stop over and play and you can get it to the table because you're not going to have that kind of dominance where somebody who owns the game or knows it is really knowing how to lay up the combos and kind of shut you down and so i love it so for me my number five is a pro again feels like street fighter you're not going to come closer i think there's a couple other games out there like that but again they're going to be versus and that's what's so awesome about this game is the co-op aspect just brings it to the next level so my number five, if I were to talk about the core game, I would probably talk about how the dice is used in the game. But with the addition of Aftershock, my number five becomes a pro about the missions. I love the missions in this game. So it adds another layer of, I don't know, complexity to how to approach each game. Because now I've got this side thing I can do, and it's always kind of bad. You don't really want to do it. Like, like I said before, one might be, hey, don't attack. Well, 
playing a fighting game, why wouldn't I want to attack? And earlier in the game, maybe you can use that not attacking mission to help set up your, your character more or get in position more to do the objective and stop the stage. So it makes you reconsider your strategies and plans in the game. And the benefit is you get these mission tokens and you can spend these mission tokens. You can have up to five of them to do various effects. Uh, you can always spend a mission token to add a dice to a, a fight roll, or you can potentially get loot, or you can have other people act during your actions or give everyone else actions at the same time. It's pretty, pretty cool what you can do with them. And I love that being able to take a small hit now to do a big boost later. I would agree with you. The uh, missions definitely added something to this game. As you mentioned, it kind of gives you something on the side to look at and work towards. And I think that adds a lot of variety to the game. Um, what's also really great is the refresh mechanism for them is if you don't like it, just go grab a new one. And so this really doesn't force you to keep something that's going to sit stale forever. But, you know, anytime you pick one up, you're always contemplating like, yeah, should I keep it or yeah, I can work towards that. And some are just a clear, right? Like, I'm not going to do that with how my character's built, where we're at in the stage. And so it actually adds just another layer of kind of planning and what you're going to do. And then again, like you mentioned, um, as you work on the mission and you build up those tokens, you can really add some cool things to the game. So more damage, uh, getting another action and things like that. So I love it. I would agree. It's nice. Cool. Let's talk about your number four. So my number four is a pro, and it is basically the huge variety of the modular system that the Sadler brothers have come up with. So with Street Masters, you kind of have multiple actual boards, cardboard tiles that represent stages. They're double-sided, so just wow. And then on top of that, you have multiple bosses. And then you have the stage decks, right, that represent what is happening with that stage. And then you have all the fighters. And then you have the missions. And so it's just like, it's crazy. There was someone on Borging Geek who was actually coming up with all the combinations like of Street Masters and Brook City. And when you put them together, it's something like a hundred millions. And it's just ridiculous, right? The number of combinations you can put things together. Now, does it make it a better game than say if it only had a thousand? I don't know, right? Is it possible to play test them all? Probably not. So some, I think some scenarios you're going to have a little bit more challenge. Some characters are going to work really, really well together, but that's what makes it awesome is it's like, well, what board do we feel like fighting on? Oh, this is super thematic. Like let's fight on the ship with a pirate guy or whatever, right? So, and I, I don't, there's not a pirate guy, but I mean, you could look at him and be like, okay, I could see this dude on a boat. And then thematically like, okay, so maybe I'm like a dock worker character. Oh yeah, this character might represent that. Um, and so I just love, the modular system it's a lot of fun i think it gives a lot of variety to the game and, and your ability to set on a plate now this happens with a lot of other games right say eldritch horror or kind of maximum apocalypse i mean you name it but it's different and so i really appreciate the design that the uh, sadler brothers have put into this and kind of what it brings to the players by being modular i also have more on this later but that's my number four it's a pro i have more of this later as well but i'll add a little bit to it and i agree when i set up this game i love like picking a stage, like, okay, what thematically would make sense for the stage and and what would be kind of silly to do. In fact, there is one character in the game who's kind of your classic, you know, murderous villain from all those horror movies. And I decided to be silly and play that character in one of the maps that you're in the hospital, like a triage. So it's like, <laughs> this makes no sense whatever, but... That's awesome. I want to see what happens. It was just fun to play. And actually, she wanted to be particularly good against that stage, I felt. So it was it was fun to try. Anyway, but yeah, like you said, it's it's fun to think these different combinations and kind of 
make this emergence story in your head before you even sit down to play. Yeah, and it just it's kind of unique to the, this type of system that you can actually pick the stage and the boss and your characters, and it's going to be a pretty balanced um, thing. So we see this in other games, Arkham Horror, and you know different things where you can pick characters, but the level of that modularity in this game is great. I love it. Now, there are, of course, situations where you'll play with a certain fighter or enemy or stage combination that doesn't work so well or is particularly challenging. So that might be a turnoff because you might not know what you're getting yourself into until you sit down and actually try it. But by and large, it hasn't been a major factor. And the fact that you do have these allies and rivals, or which are these additional characters you can throw in the game to make the game either harder um, helps along that any type of imbalance you might run into. So how about you, Steve? What's your number four? My number four would have been a criticize or criticism of the maps and that's from the course that i felt like the maps were i don't know just too open not as much tactical choices going on that is no longer the case and i'm going to talk about a little bit more later but right now my number four is going to be a con and that's gonna be the playtime. i wish this game didn't take quite as long to play it's not a big deal hence why it's my number four i get into the game enough where i lose track of time anyway so it's not a huge deal but I, even with a solo game, it might take me like an hour to play a game. Now, I say that when I'm often playing new characters or new enemies or new stages I haven't, I'm not familiar with. And I think that playtime is going to drop dramatically, especially when I pop out something I'm used to. I do notice that playtime decreasing quite a bit. So it's not a huge deal, but unless you play this game a lot and see everything quite a bit, it's going to be a factor. And it's going to be a factor, especially if you have new players. So just be aware that the playtime is going to take long. One of the big things that did help this game is the creation of a, of a simultaneous variant. And so this is in the Aftershock rulebook. And a quick mention to uh, Mike and Peter, who helped with this, with the Sadler Brothers. So they all worked on this together, but they have this simultaneous variant so that you can take your turns uh well at the same time really so you're not waiting around and it cuts down the downtime significantly in fact i won't play without this simultaneous variant at all it's just even for solo well that actually doesn't matter for solo of course because it's just you even two player i'll play with it and it's not really necessary there but definitely three and four player play with that so that's my number four the play time and i would jump in and just agree with you on that one i'd personally probably rank that a little bit higher than a four it really depends on what you're looking for too so there's going to be faster playing kind of fighting games but sometimes when i'm playing street masters i feel like it overstays its welcome i'm never bored so it's not like it's getting to be drawn out it's just again because there is that modularity it can create a little bit of Almost like you have to bookkeeping, right? You got to read a lot of the text and kind of learn how the characters work. And so it just, the, the playtime can increase. And I would agree with you on that, actually. I know they included the turbo dice to help with that. And I've tried that out in a number of different ways. And I didn't notice a significant difference when using a turbo dice. I mean, in theory, throwing more damage around should cause the game to either move to a win or loss quicker. But the fact that I'd have to remember that, oh yeah, I have to roll this extra dice. Oh, oh yeah, I get an extra power. Oh, oh yeah, I can spend this power, get a, get an extra dice in my attack. That added overhead actually slowed me down a little bit. So I think in the end, it kind of was a neutral net gain for me. And I ultimately just kind of stopped using it. Instead, I used what we're calling a uh, hyper mode, 
which is a, another way of playing the game where you play with upgraded cards. So now in the story mode, you can actually play each character through its given story and customize the deck as you go along. Or in arcade mode, you can just kind of throw those in there. You are playing with a more powerful character, but what I do is I also upgrade the enemies so it kind of evens that out. And so now I'm still doing more damage, more powerful stuff, but it's written on the cards and it's easy for me for me to remember. I probably would not, would not play it without how we played it last time, honestly. As an aside, like that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it is pretty fun playing with those upgraded cards because they're pretty powerful in some cases. And it's nice to have a little variety in that deck because otherwise you have just three copies of the same card. And now you have two copies of the same card and one one unique card. And, and it makes some more interesting decisions later on. So that was my number four. My number three is a pro. And this pro does not change between the core game and the expansion. And that is the ability to cooperate. I love that in each of the fighter decks, there are cards that are good for you to use but they're worded in such a way that you can see ways of implementing or helping out your fellow comrades or fellow fighters on the stage and it opens up a whole new level when you play with multiple fighters so yeah you can play one fighter solo and the game plays great solo in my opinion but when you add that extra fighter I'm like okay yeah i know i can do this for myself but now i can play this other card and help my how about my buddy like one character is kind of like Jean Grey from X-Men where she has telekinesis and she plays cards and she causes fighters to move around the board. And yeah, you can move yourself around the board and help out, but she can also move other fighters. And that's really, really interesting. So if you were to cooperate, be like, you know what? Hey, I can move you three spaces. Can you play card and move another two spaces and attack that guy? And you wouldn't be able to reach the guy normally without that cooperation lo limit going on. And not to mention that she specifically can fight from the space of another fighter. So that also helps her in return. And it's just really, really interesting what they can do in this game. So that sounds great, Steve. For my number three, it is a pro. And it is the fail forward sort of concept that the Sadler brothers have implemented in this game. So this is awesome. I think for me personally, failing forward is amazing. And I think the this game does it really well. As an example, you have exploding dice. So you have the, the possibility when you roll dice that you get, for example, a hit, but you get to keep rolling dice. And so it's super fun. It's almost like a push your luck and sort of like, ooh, you know, what am I going to get? I'm pulling the lever at the slot machine. It's just like, I can't wait. Like, oh my gosh, it'd be super cool to get another crit. And I love that feeling because it just gives you this sense of like, can we keep it on a roll? And we've had this, right? So when you play the game, you're rolling these dice and you get one, and you're, oh yeah, yeah, sweet. And you get another one, you're like, dude, this, and you know, eventually, obviously it stops, but that is super cool and so fun and a huge pro to this game um, that, you know, that's actually your attack is rolling these dice. Every time you're attacking, you have this ability to do more than what you're setting out to do. So, right, I'm gonna grab five dice that's not the end of it, right? So it's not, couldn't be just max five. I could actually, in theory, some multiverse, right? Roll five crits and actually do five damage and I get to re-roll all five. And that would just be rare and amazing, but I love that. And the way that they've impl implemented the, uh, the way your character defends. And so you basically build up defense on your character. So kick, grapple, and punch. Your character kind of gains these tokens and when you defend against that attack, you don't just 
kiss that token goodbye. So, right, if I'm going to defend against a grapple, you don't just get rid of that token and that's it. No, 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 no. This fails forward in the sense that you flip that guy and that becomes you getting powered up. And so that is so fun to see happen where, sure, go ahead and do damage to me. And this is fun when you have just a mound of defense tokens. You're like, you kind of go into the fray to get attacked. And I just love that. Uh, you know, and in fact, this happened, right? So I have all these crazy tokens through my character and kind of the, combo and the engine I had going and it was like all right you know I'm gonna go get my butt kicked a little bit just so I can power up and so that was super fun I don't know if that's specifically failing forward but it, to me it's an example of kind of like turning a unique way that would normally be done differently in another game into something awesome where it just increases that thematic feel of like you know doing that super spinning fly kick type stuff so I just love how this game fails forward and implements some really cool uh, mechanics and design decisions to help your character feel like you're growing in power and you know what you set out to do might change a little bit yeah i think the other way you fail forward in this game too especially with the dice is when you roll those attacks not every hit is every dice roll is going to result in success or a hit sometimes you roll the the shields or the guard effects and so those will not be hit it's effectively a miss but the nice thing is you get a defense token in return to that so yeah you're failing but you're failing forward to the fact that you're getting something useful out of it so while it may not be your desired result it's still good for you and i don't really complain when i get that stuff anyway so it's pretty yeah it's pretty good in that regard i really like how they use the dice and then even with the the turbo dice i honestly wasn't sure about them how much i would like that especially since the enemy how they attack is they just roll these generic dice i have uh well kicks punches or grapples on them so you can get uh, some combination of those there's no misses on those dice but with the turbo dice they get an extra dice and this extra dice has a lot of misses on it and just critical results so they can actually do you direct damage or they can do you normal additional kick grapple or punch damage and it's really fun from a player perspective to get those crits and like man cool i can keep going get more damage it's really fun and I didn't know how I'd like it when the enemies had that ability. Because, like, yeah, they can get super lucky and just take you out. But it's really not that bad at all because there's quite a few blanks on that. So the dice might do anything. And the fact that they're only rolling one of those dice, yeah, you might get those crits to hit, hit you. But if you're really unlucky, it'll be, like, two more damage or maybe three. And that's it. It's nothing like when the fire attacks, you're rolling all these dice and they all have the possibility of getting those crits that could get pretty crazy quick. And so it's still very much in the fighter favor when dealing with this exploding dice mechanic. Yeah, and kind of another, just a small note on this point is once you play a system like this in a game, it's kind of weird for me. I will actually see opportunities in other games to, you know, it'd be interesting if they would have did it like this and just little tweaks where sometimes a failure can be so devastating in other games, which is fine. It's part of the game and, and you kind of just move on and maybe there's an expansion or some other mechanism, right? Dice mitigation or whatever it might be. But it's hard to see that, you know, hey, it's okay to have a painful outcome or a less than ideal outcome, but still reward the players in ways and have the game balanced in other ways that offset that because you still feel like, hey, something beneficial came from it instead of, um, I guess I'd equate it to role-playing where, 
okay, Steve, you need to get on the train. You have to roll greater than a 60 <laughs> and you roll a 10 and it's like, uh, okay, you didn't get on the train. And it, I don't know. And I just, I'd like to see honestly more games borrowing from the fail forward sort of mechanic and, um, and bringing that into them. For sure. That's a good one. So that leads us to our number two. This is actually a con for me. It's a pretty big con. It's what I guess I'm calling bookkeeping. It's kind of text changes. It's it's actually kind of a side effect of the modular system. And so I've kind of called it text changes, uh, playtime, bookkeeping. is just a lot of stuff. So if you take any other game or a lot of other games, the variety in the game might come from the character you play or the boss that you're beating or the abilities that you get or the assets you acquire or whatever it might be. But there's not a ton that you're going to have to kind of relearn. And there's not going to be a lot that you're going to have to, at the end of every turn, look at and, and kind of do, right? So maybe it's a Maximum Apocalypse, I Have My Hunger, you know, whatever it is. In Gloomhaven, it's your upkeep of your cards or whatever. With Street Masters and kind of any modular, at least in Brook City, it's kind of similar because everything is modular, the stage and the boss and your characters, there can be a lot to read through and it's kind of a lot of upkeep. And so this is actually kind of a huge problem for me with Street Masters is it's not something that, and you touched on it earlier, right? So it's it's not something you can just break out and be like, hey, let's pick this random stage and boss and whatever and expect the same playtime. It's just not gonna happen. You understand how the game goes. So we do the stage, right? We do our turns and things, but okay, so on this stage, um, X, Y, and Z. Okay, oh, so he's X and that's Y. Okay, so Z, all right, so we'll do this. And it just takes time to learn that. And it just seems to kind of drag the game on. And then with your character, unless you're consistently playing a character where you play this game a lot, there's always going to be some subtle nuances. And then, of course, you have the combo play between the characters that you're going to take time to look at. And then kind of like, how can I integrate them? Oh, Steve, hey, go here, and that'd be super cool. That's just going to take time anyway, even if nothing else changed in the game. So on top of that, you add kind of all these other layers of sort of bookkeeping and, and AI activation and, and the characters. And it just it gets to be a little bit much, and I think is honestly why there's such an increase in the playtime. So for me, I kind of I hate it, honestly. It's okay, it doesn't ever feel like it's just a bit much. It's just the side effect of the kind of the modular system and I think that goes away if you play it a ton. So um, just as you learn the characters and how they activate. So for my number two, it's just kind of a huge con. It's kind of the symptom of a modular system is is a lot to kind of remember and learn every time you play yeah that's a good one I, I can't really disagree with you on that one it's a it's a solid point to bring up and it gets kind of interesting too with some of the fighters and enemies and stages because it they change the game a little bit too where i guess one example is elijah is playing a character called miss matrix and she's a boss in the game but if you buy a certain pack you can play her as a fighter and she's got an interesting effect where she actually takes the fighter cards or player cards and she adds it to the enemy play area and the stage play area. And so this is all totally different than some of these other characters out there. But now you've got additional text to read and consider for her. And it can really, really add a lot of overhead, honestly. And some of the stages, how they work too, they move things around. You have to reference different cards in different locations. And until you really sit down and grok it, it's gonna take it's going to take some time. That's for sure. Yeah, and you know, a sister game would be Brook City, and it's it's there as well. I mean, so you pick your case, you pick your criminal deck, and 
the criminal has a certain way they function, the case has a certain way they function, and then you pick your character, and, they, and it just kind of is what it is. This is the rules for this. Okay, so this is how this guy works. And so if you're playing it consistently, but I would argue there's way more content in Street Masters with the Aftershock uh, expansion that it's just, it's more than Brook City. And to me, it's just, it kind of sucks, honestly. But it's a con. It's a huge con. But it's something I think people should know going into that, uh, you know, even if you're a quick learner, there's still a little bit of processing through cards that you're going to have to do. For sure. I will also mention that with the addition of Adishrock, they added these, I don't know, the pretty nice uh, randomizer cards or information cards on each of the fighters, bosses, and stages. So they do have a complexity rating for each of these. And I actually use that to a pretty nice benefit, actually, where I got tired of the playtime and being long when I was doing a number of these plays trying to see if I can bring that down. And so I chose a couple of those cards that were new to me, but with low complexity. And it definitely improved the playtime for sure. And it was easier to grok and easy to get through. So there is that learning and it's definitely, definitely there. So if that is an issue to you, I would suggest leveraging those cards as reference cards because that will help your experience. So how about you, Steve? What's your number two? My number two doesn't really change between the core set and the expansion because I just loved how they implemented in the first place and it's still strong here. And that is the defense token economy. For me, this is what kind of sets us apart from other tactical combat games is how you can manage these, these tokens. And so how it works is there are basically three types of attacks. There are grapple attacks, punch attacks, and kick attacks. And there's other forms of damage too, general damage and direct damage. I'll get to that in a second, but Generally how it works is you play a card that has like a kick attack. So every success will equal kick damage. And so you look at the, the target that's being attacked and if they have any kick defense tokens, those will cancel those damage. And, and then the remainder of that damage will go through as just normal uh, hits to the hit point. And so effectively what happens is as you're looking around the board, you're like, oh yeah, cool. I've got this punch card and wait, this enemy over here doesn't have any punch defense tokens. I He's wide open. He's not preparing to guard my punch attack so let me go pummel him with a bunch of uh, flying fists of fury and so it's really <laughs> interesting how you approach that and it's really just from a co-op standpoint be like hey can you like knock off those two tokens on them those defense tokens because if you do that i've got an open hole i could just i could lay into him and i love how that works and like elijah said those defense tokens on a fighter side flip over to power and it's great I would agree. It's a lot of fun, actually, and does add another layer of depth and planning and strategy. Um, so as you mentioned, if, if somebody's just piled up on grapple tokens, you're not going to be looking at a grapple attack or you're going to be asking around the table like, hey, can anyone right, reduce his grapple? Um, because otherwise, basically, my attack's just going to get soaked uh, through that defense. And so it kind of helps you look for other ways that your character like, oh, hey, I could do a massive punch attack. And so that's super awesome. And uh, yeah, I think that the, me the mechanics around the defensive tokens are just a really, really fun part of the game. It's also interesting too, from the defense side of it, if I know I've got a couple like punch and kick defense tokens, but I don't have a grapple token, maybe I want to do a grapple attack just for a chance of rolling those shield or guard results on the dice so I can get some grapple tokens. Because that way, someone attacks me, I know I can block any type of attack with the exception of it being direct damage which goes through everything, ignores defense tokens. And that's that's really interesting to me. I, I do want to make one other comment on the defense tokens. Being part of the user experience focus world, I love what they did for Aftershock. So the course that all the tokens were 
white tokens with black I don't know, icons on them, and it works fine. You flip them over and see the power token, that's fine. But in the Aftershock, they changed them. You get a whole new set of them, and now they're color-coded. And this was a big help. And not only that, you only get color-coded ones. You get also uh, times five ones, quantity five. Like what Elijah said earlier, you can get a big stack of these. And it's kind of annoying to have a huge stack of tokens on you guy. <laughs> I mean, it's cool, too, because you're like, hey, look how powerful I am. But you got this, I don't know, almost a dexterity game going on. You don't want to knock these tokens over, right? And so now you can simply replace five of those with one of these tokens. And it works so much better. And cleanup's a lot easier because I'm not having to shift through all these tokens that look the same. They're color-coded. I can easily see, hey, here's my blue. Here's my orange. Here's my yellow ones. Oh, by the way, this got a five on it. It's easy to to substitute out if I need to uh, do some economies of scale going on there. So, yeah. Big fan of that change. So for my number one, it is a pro and it is the card play in this game and the card comboing that you can do and just the way that you can set up attacks. Um, so my number five, of course, was the feel and the theme and the number one being the pro is just that theme comes through with the card combos and it's very much like part strategy, part theme, very much co-op, right? And so figuring out ways to make these combos chain and work together. And so for example, hey, if I do this, you know, I can punch for two and then go through his grapple and then I can exhaust this card and I, here's what I'm gonna do. And then, oh, could you move there? And, that, and it's just amazing. And that's so fun in this game that the way that you chain your card combos together and how you interact at the table with each other and your character deck is just so much fun for me. And so this really is to me, Street Masters. I mean, it is card play and it just is so awesome. And so the way that you discard and, and pick up and exhaust your cards and and again figuring out those combos is like i love it this game does it in spades for sure totally agree in fact i'm probably going to get into that a little bit with my number one as well my number one if you talked to me before with just the course set actually would have been playtime would have been a con but since we have that simultaneous variant that helps quite a bit along that lines that one dropped for me but my number one now is really the variability between the fighter stages and enemies. There's also just a lot out there to explore. And this kind of gets into a little bit with the combos. There's just a lot of combos you can do. Like if I have different combinations of fighters out there, they interact with each other very differently. And that can really change the effect and feel of the game. The fact they have quite a wide variety of, of characters out there. In fact, there are four lizards in the game. <laughs> and it is hinted at they are inspired by the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, especially since one of them says the words Kawabunka on his text card. <laughs> so, That's awesome. I mean, it's cool that, like, yeah, I wouldn't expect this level of variety in the game, that level of creativity. That's really cool. And like I said before, there's a, a character that reminds me of Jean Grey. And there's another one that reminds me of, of some of the Street Fighter characters and another one from, like, a horror setting. And, it's, and there's another guy that, like, hey... This guy just heals and lives off damage. So he just wants to get punched in the face a lot so he can do more damage back. And it's just, it's very, very cool what they've thought of and how to approach different stages and different effects. Yeah, and I, and I will contrast it to, you know, other sort of fighting games where I think they obviously all bring something different to the table. They vary. Um, so I, I, I can't name some right off the top of my head, but certainly there are others where it's a little less, right? Combo building, it's maybe one or two cards that you might play or 
just a smaller attack. And that certainly happens when you're playing Street Masters. There's just sometimes, you know, given the nature of the board and the game state that you can't just lay up a big attack, whether there's a bunch of defensive tokens or maybe you're fighting some, um, I guess what I'll call minions, right? Uh, but there are times where you just like literally exhaust every card and play every card and together and you just come up with some amazing combos and they happen a lot and they're really, really fun. And so it's just so satisfying when you're chaining these all together. I love it. For sure. The other thing I want to mention too, and I kind of talked about this earlier, was the maps. It was kind of a, a con for me and how the maps felt just too open. There wasn't, I don't know, It I felt like it was a missed opportunity because like this is a tactical game. You are right around punching minions and bosses and kicking them and all that fun stuff. And after a while, especially in the core set, I felt like, cool, I'm in a good position. I'm just going to stay here and well on this guy. I don't really care what happens with the movement. It was a little disappointing when that would happen. It wouldn't be a huge deal, but it was still negative. And I feel like with Aftershock, while this still exists, while they still have open maps, at least they don't feel quite as the same because there's a number of maps that have like elevation and blocking line of sight stuff like there's a uh, one of them where you're in a in a diner and that's like a old godfather scene where you go in the back room and there's a safe you have to protect and if you're in the back room you can't engage with anybody out in the dining room and there's another one where you're in this like big lobby of a mansion and there's a, a staircase you have to go up and you can knock people off the stairs which is pretty fun or there's another one where we've got these radioactive like alligators in the swamps you have to avoid so it makes the maps way more interesting, way more engaging under the expansion when you have these, I don't know, almost living environments you have to uh, maneuver around as opposed to some of the previous ones where it felt pretty open and kind of, I don't know, cool, why is this space this? That's okay, I don't know, it doesn't really matter a ton to me, so. So would you feel that the expansion is necessary for that alone, Steve? Or does the base game offer enough tactical interaction with the boss and the stage that you know you don't need it i think for most people i don't think this would be a big deal to them it was just something that kind of jumped out at me when i was playing it it's probably more of a personal observation and want and i think for me at least that that expansion helped a ton in that regard i know elijah and i played one map and i don't remember its expansion or course it might be a course i get one but it was really fun because there was like punching a fairy belt and buzz blades around there and it's fun to try to get the enemies maneuvered onto the, the treadmills or they can sorry not treadmills they can vary belts to fall into these I know spinning blades of death <laughs> so like that is really fun I want more stages like that so yeah that was a lot of fun watching him get thrown into the buzz blades and chopped up <laughs> <laughs> So final thoughts time. Street Masters is a phenomenal game. I love this game. I declared it my game of the year in 2018, and I still love this game a ton. In fact, I probably even like it a little bit more now that I feel like I can get the playtime down, especially with higher play counts. With a simultaneous variant, I will never not play with that again. So it's just really good in improving that game. I tend to like recursion in games. Like I like being able to get stuff back. I like being able to heal up again or get my resources back. So I always like playing characters where they have some level of healing and I like playing support characters. So there's definitely their options in there. And I think for me, once I play through most of the characters, I find a handful I like, I'll, I'll stick with those. And I, I, it's fun for me. I, I enjoy that quite a bit. But when I want to feel a little uh, out of my element, I can obviously go to some of those other other playstyles, but I think that's a big part of the game for me. Like, find 
a character you want and just play it a lot and just i don't know start learning the nuance and try to get really good at it and it's really fun to reach that level of competency with some of these characters and it feels like you i don't know, have some ownership over that like cool i'm really good at that guy let's uh let's try to get good with this other character and like i said before when you're setting up these stages and trying to set up this i don't know almost a narrative almost like a a movie scene pops in my head honestly like hey hey the these mob guys are at this dock and we need to stop them before the shipment gets off there. Like, cool. That is totally like a bajillion movies out there. So <laughs> we're just recreating and living in here. Oh, also, I have to mention that I don't know who's naming these stages. I assume it's the Sadler Brothers, but whoever names these stages, I applaud you. There are, it gives me a chuckle every time I read them. <laughs> Elijah knows what I'm talking about. Like, there's one of them called Peer, Pre- Peer Pressure, and Peer is spelled P E E R, and you're on a dock. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is hilarious. I love it. <laughs> it tickles my dad, joke funny bone. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, I am a big fan of this game. I strongly recommend uh, you at least trying it out. It is a great experience. And I honestly don't even care about the fighting theme that much. It's just the mechanics and the combos. It really sings for me. So, yeah, Street Masters, big recommend for me. Yeah, I would agree with you. It, for me, I'm a big theme guy. I like theme. I used to play a lot of Mortal Kombat. I remember playing Mortal Kombat on the PS1. We'd, it would get so hot, we'd have to throw it in the freezer for a little bit. We'd play that thing for like eight hours and our thumbs would almost bleed. So I love kind of fighting. Of course, I've gone past that now. But to me, Street Fighter is the best game that does that. And um, I just love, like you're saying, the card combos and the play that you're you know working together the fail forward, the defensive tokens and everything. I love the modular system and kind of like, what do I feel like today? What what boss, what stage? Maybe you just got done watching Die Hard and you kind of wanted to try to recreate that. So who's kind of like a Die Hard guy and a Die Hard board and just have a lot of fun with that. Again, the big con for me is the text changes on everything. It doesn't kill it, but it, it does. it's something to be aware of. And again, I think that goes away the more you play. So it's a ton of fun. I definitely enjoy the game every time I play. So yeah, I really enjoy that. And I think that's the one big thing that sells me in this game. Like I said before, the theme isn't really a strong seller for me. I just, I, I want to find a game in my collection just because I like having each kind of genre or theme in my on my bookshelf, my game shelf, where someone came over like, hey, you like this thing? Well, try this game. That's kind of what I want for my collection. But for me, like you said, when I'm sitting playing this game, I'm imagining movie scenes and that's really fun for me. I think of another game that does that too uh, really well, like Imperial Assault. When we play that game, like, oh yeah, this is totally that scene from that movie. This is fun. And (laughs) it just drives me to these games. And it makes me wonder, like, how much of a driving factor is that for others when they're playing board games? Do we want to relive these literature and movie scenes? Or do we want to, like, spin off and create our own scenes? I'm not sure. So you have pop culture references that creep their way into games, and it can go both ways. So I personally don't mind it. I think if it was in every game, I probably would would not appreciate that. But it's always funny to be reading some sort of adventure book or quest or story, and they just do a weird play on words. Like, you know, I don't know, Bobo biggins instead of billable baggins or something and it's just kind of comical because it's like okay i know what you mean and it actually helps me appreciate it and kind of enjoy it um and then like i said you know sometimes maybe like for instance just get done watching die hard and then you want to recreate i think that's great um if a game is able to do that you know um obviously not every 
game has the capability to flex in a theme that way. But I don't know, Steve, how do you feel? Do you like sort of pop culture and movie references in games or? I tend to like it if I can recreate them myself, at least from my standpoint. That's a strong one for me. Like we mentioned already in Street Masters how, yeah, this is, I can put these comedies together. It reminds me of a movie scene. But like for me, Marvel Legendary does this as well, where we've gone to see one of the Marvel films like, oh, cool. You're trying to keep the headquarters, the, um, the helicarrier upfloat. And he had these characters involved in it. So I go back home, I pull out that scheme for the heli- defending the helicarriers, throw that down, grab the same heroes and enemies, and we relive the movie scene in that. And that was really fun for me. Or I've even done some weirder stuff where, like, for Zombicide, like, okay, I've had a bunch of colleagues come over. Let me recreate the map so it kind of mimics maybe some of the, the work office space and some of the surrounding areas. So now we have to like pretend we're escaping a meeting room and we have to like, what would happen if we were in the middle of a meeting and the zombies attacked? Now can we escape the office? And for me, that's kind of fun to make it my own, something more personal, something I want to try. Like if it's from Imperial Assault, where it's like almost hand-feeding to me, I like it too. But I, I definitely prefer it if I can tweak it and make it my own. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, if it's straight out of the movies, and I think this is why, and I'm not knocking anybody who's a fan of these games, but when you have literally direct from film to board game translations, they just typically don't do too well. I think that might have a lot to do with setting expectations. Most likely you will never meet someone's expectations on like, hey, this movie IP or this literature story means XYZ to me. And in in a board game form, there's always going to be some level of abstraction where... I think more often than not, you're going to disappoint people. It makes it really, really difficult to satisfy everyone. Yeah, because, you know, how it transpired, we all know, right? If you were watching the movie or whatever, and then there's got to be some level of abstraction in the the mechanics of the game, and it just maybe doesn't translate for some people or they don't appreciate it. The other thing is, and you see this, is sometimes the artwork can be really bad. I mean, if you're taking stills from the movie and it's just not that good they had poor taste or whatever it just makes the game actually look cheap and so i think this is a personal taste for me i almost like interpreted art and so you see this with like legendary the aliens um is kind of like you know hand-drawn stuff and so i get what's going on right but typically i think stills from movies don't do so well for me personally and again I think if it's a direct thing, it's like, hey, it's cool for a little bit. But if you can take it just slightly and it's a little different, you can make it your own. It's more enjoyable. Yeah, Legend Encounters is an interesting game to bring up because I already talked about how I like to, I don't do this myself and create my own movie scenes with the components available to me. Like even with like Heroclix, I remember playing that way back in the day and we were playing with all these superhero characters. But I decided to grab some superhero characters that represented the Lord of the Rings characters and make my own scenario in that. Or for like Father's Day, we had like, okay, I'm gonna only play with fathers and sons for for this game. And it was just really silly and fun for me to do. And think about Legend of Encounters, this one is, hey, let's, we've already done the work to have you relive these, this movie moment. Let's throw you in, in that and see how well you do. What, I guess for your standpoint, Elijah, what do you prefer? I mean, I'm not gonna say that I'm not creative, but I typically like it when it's a little bit laid up for me. It's kind of interesting, and I think it really has to do with, honestly, the amount of creativity and mostly free time that someone has. So I've actually thought about this recently, uh, Maximum Apocalypse. I mean, there's a bunch of different tiles in that game, right? A power plant and a river and a shelter and stuff. And I've actually thought about recreating The Walking Dead. 
So if you watch the Walking Dead episode, the very first episode, he wakes up, Rick, in a hospital bed. And he makes his way through a neighborhood and stuff. And I thought it'd be kind of cool to kind of like abstract the show and the seasons into like scenarios and actually come up with tile design and maybe change the mechanics. Like, so, hey, when you play this, you start this starts with a monster tile. And when you move on to this one, you draw this monster. And so it's not exactly the game, but it would create this kind of feel. But it takes time, right? I have to know the episodes and kind of recreate the feel and have this the game be balanced. And so I think for a lot of people, you see that in enthusiast, uh, you know, design of like Arkham Horror, the card game on BGG, people coming up with things. So for me personally, um, I, I would use existing components and try to recreate it loosely, but um, something like you were mentioning with dads or, you know, or whatever it is. But um, for the most part, I kind of would like it to be handed to me quite honestly and and in a way that I can kind of take and make my own and I think that's what you see with Street Masters is the ability to kind of you know this is just a generic pier but it could be a fight scene from whatever right a Bruce Lee movie on the uh, Enter the Dragon or whatever and so you can kind of recreate um, some of that yourself. So thanks for listening to our discussion on recreating movie and literature scenes and board games and I'm curious for our listeners if you're interested to jump on our Slack and continue the discussion I want to hear from everyone but with that that'll conclude our episode of Street Masters and thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you at the next stop. Thanks for listening to another episode of the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Please check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. If you want to reach out to us, the best place to talk to us all is on the Slack. See the show notes for details. Also, you can support us on Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash one stop. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week with another top five list. Cool. Let's talk about your number four. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. What is modular? It's um, something that Adam and Bradley, Bradley, Brady, blah, blah, blah.